the optimal life. Just go, buddy. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, let's start with a little whiskey. So yes. we can kind of... like the sound of that. Uh, this is actually Joseph Magnus. Have you ever heard this? I have not. Straight bourbon whiskey finished in sherry and cognac casks. Wow. All right. All right, let's see what this is. Let's see if I... I'll, I'll start <laughs> spilling before we even get started here. Jeez. That was awkward pour. I know, look at this thing. <laughs> thank God there's no videos on this thing. All right, buddy. All right. We'll just sip a little of this, and uh, did that give you a good enough point? No, that's good. We're good. All right. Let's do a little quick cheers. and well, Salute, uh, my friend. Salute. Cheers, brother. Thank you for doing this and for trusting in me to uh, share your story. I'm going to take a sip here. Well, your track record is uh, pretty incredible, I must say. Hey, man. Um yeah, you know, when I started this thing, I would have never, didn't know exactly where it was going to go at times. And I've been fortunate enough to have people on from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, different stories, people that have accomplished big things in business, sports, athlete, athletics, and then just your everyday people that have overcome such traumatic uh, events and occurrences and the resilience that people have. I mean, there's nobody that knows that knows that better than you. Yeah, you know, things have definitely been a challenge, to say the least. But, um, yeah, no, your podcast has been extremely positive to listen to. And, you know, I've got a lot of takeaways from that over the years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, just bring that a little bit more towards you. I'm just looking at our volume levels to make sure that, that we're going to be pretty much even. All right. Um, so let's just get into it, brother. Um Several years back, uh, back was it October of 2018? Uh, November. It was November. Before the event that night in November of 2018, talk about uh, the weeks leading up, maybe the days and weeks. What, what are some of your last memories of you and Olivia? Oh, man, uh, so many. Um, so, you know, being a you know, single father and Rebecca being a you know, single mother, you know, we shared a lot of, a lot of time. You know, so it wasn't like I had her every single day, but um, probably my most fond memory leading into that was actually that weekend before it happened. Uh, we were down at the West Side Market with my parents, and yeah, just got to got to hang out with Olivia one last time, and you know, she loved the West Side Market, and I mean that place is incredible to begin with, but um, yeah, hung out with her for that entire weekend. I want to say it was maybe like the weekend before that was that that photo that people seem to share a lot. One that my favorite photo ever was, you know, her wearing that deer onesie, um, you know, when, you know, we were at Target and she really wanted this and there was only one size left that fit her and it was on the mannequin. And, you know, my wife, Sarah, stripped down the mannequin right in the middle of the store and Olivia was just so bashful, laughing and, you know, so excited that she got it and didn't want to take it off. And it was like, I want to say it was actually pretty warm when we got it um, leading up to it and she just wouldn't take it off should have been in a t-shirt right and uh, she actually passed away in that uh, she did she did wow so so you were with her this was the weekend before yeah the weekend before we we hung out um, she was at my house for the weekend with me and Sarah and you know like I said we went to the West Side Market and um, then she went to a play with my mom and uh, you know um, 
went to play with my mom, Mrs. Antonelli, and Sophia, uh, who was her cousin. And so um, those were kind of like the last, you know, the last memories that we have leading yep. up to all this. So, and for people that don't know, you you were you were you were engaged to Rebecca, her mother, at one point, or no? Was it just your girlfriend? No, we were. Rebecca, you were married. You know, we were married. You guys were married four and a half years. Something. Oh, like you that. were married for yeah. four and a half years. I did. I can't even remember. It was. Feels like you know a different a lifetime. lifetime ago. Yeah. You so know? you and Rebecca were married. Mm-hmm. Correct. You had Olivia, um, and then after four years or so, you said you guys broke off, broke it off, mm-hmm. and went your separate ways. So, but you guys were co-parenting, right? I mean, you had your own. Correct. Yeah. And was, she had her own time. With yeah. So we we worked pretty well together, you know, for the most part. I mean, obviously, any divorce couple or you know shared parenting parents yeah you have your ups and downs absolutely um, challenges but i understand yeah no we we did everything you know together right and then but then when how long how long were you guys living apart for it um after olivia was born like how many years Uh, after that i mean olivia was eight and a half so yeah about seven and a half years i mean it went so you guys you guys had only been separated in different homes for like the last year yeah of that oh, something like okay. that so it was only about a year mm-hmm. okay so so you were co-parenting and unfortunately in november then leading up to this horrific night um olivia was at her mom's house that night instead correct. of not being at your house correct yeah we i was actually supposed to pick her up. actually my mom was supposed to pick her up the next night and i was in a pick up Olivia and then sign her up for Girl Scouts. This happened on a Monday Monday night around, you know, twelve thirty in the morning. Okay. You know, something like that. So I guess it would have been Tuesday, but yeah, we were supposed to go Tuesday night to go sign her up for Girl Scouts. So Monday night was just you got you had did your own thing and that was Normal fun, night. right? And then and then you're saying that happened in the very early hours of Tuesday because it was like twelve thirty AM at this point. Mm-hmm. Um what happens? What happens? Take us back to how you get a phone oh, call. What, no, not even a phone call. Um, woke up at about five fifteen, five thirty in the morning. Doorbell ringing. Um, you know, looking out the window after it rang a you know second or third time, um, and there was four or five cop cars, a van, everything, a uh, bunch of cops standing on my porch when I answered the door. And what was the first thought in your mind seeing all these people? Oh, that something obviously happened you know something involving rebecca and olivia i mean there would have been no reason for anything else it was your first instinct that something bad happened to them Mm, yeah yeah and then uh you know said there was a fire and yeah said there was a fire and um i said you know what happened and they weren't there to give me details they were they were there to pick me up um you know rightfully so you know, with the, uh, you know, uh, crime of passion or, you know, something happens like that, they're going to go to the family members first. Um, and, yeah, I asked, and they said there was a fire. And, you know, I initially thought, oh, man, maybe Rebecca was smoking and something happened, and immediately asked about her other daughter, Vivian. And, so, you know, was, was her other daughter there? Um, and they said, call Mayfield police. I mean, it kind of melted down, and told my wife to take over and they they ended up leaving and you know called Mayfield and they said I need to get to the hospital did, when they came to, and told you did they tell you that Olivia and Rebecca were deceased at this point no, or no they, they just said there was a fire they Not just said there's a fire mm-hmm. 
and and you don't, and they're not giving you any other details. They, no. why, why would they come in? Uh, that's they come to tell you that hey, there was a horrific event, but we can't give you anything else. I think they were there pretty much to arrest me. You know, suspect number one. You know, ex-husband. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, they showed up. You know, it was a they showed train up to of arrest you. Cars, yeah. They showed up to arrest you. Pretty much. You think not? Not to necessarily say, hey, something bad happened. It was to to arrest me. They, they were looking probably. for you because you're the first suspect, of yeah, course. Which, being a, a yeah, that's standard it's in our standard society. Standard operating. Procedure. So did you get arrested? No. Okay. No. no I, did they ask you to come to the station? No. They said call Mayfield. And so I called them, and they didn't give me much information. So, so I need to get up to the hospital, and um, said okay. And at that point, you knew what happened. You know, you know, you just know. Uh, You're driving point. to the, so Sarah takes you to the hospital. Well, I called my called my parents, right? You know, right after, and then I I called my boss, who I'm extremely close with, and those were my first two calls, um, and. Yeah, drove up to Hillcrest Hospital. But as you're as you're driving up to Hillcrest, though, and all you know is that there was that all they're telling you there was a house fire. You think that you're thinking to yourself, Olivia and Rebecca are deceased. You already know yeah, that in your they, head. Already, you already know. Like, are you? I'm yeah. trying to understand what the human brain is. Is I just knew. I mean, it, you could tell by the demeanor of the 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 police that showed up at my house, you know, through the phone conversation with Mayfield Police Department. But you have to be in a form of shock, too. Like, you kind of know, like, in your guts, like, this could be it, but you have a, to be in, like, this is disbelief. Like, it's amazing. happening? I mean, you're a parent. Um, you don't you don't just shut down. I mean, I, I, kind of, I had a moment at the house where I kind of lost, you know, lost it for a minute, and, and you kind of wake up to the reality of the situation. You just kind of know, and you put all the pieces together, and um, we hopped in the car as quickly as possible and started driving. You know, from Lakewood, you know, back to Mayfield. Um, so you get to Hillcrest. Get to Hillcrest. Got right when I walked. Yeah, you know, my family was there. A couple of my cousins, my mom, my dad, uh, my brother. And, and let me just stop you because there's so many intricacies that we want to hear about and try to understand how this unfolds you call your parents and say oh my god like there's a house fire I, we need to get to the hospital that's all they're telling me and everyone better get there I'll, I'll meet you guys there yeah i called my mom she didn't answer um which 5 30 in the morning why would she and i called my dad and you know at that point i knew olivia was dead um i don't even remember if i fully knew it knew it or if Mayfield kind of led on to that conversation, they kind of let it, they can't say it. It's like almost getting like a results from a test from a doctor. Like they're not going to tell you over the phone, but you could get a read from it. They say things like trigger, trigger words. And, you know, I told my dad, if I recall correctly, you know, Libby's dead. You said that to him on the phone? Like, yeah. And then he goes, what are you talking about? And like, he kind of lost it. And, I said, I'm coming. Did he start it. screaming? Like, what the, like, what, what, what happens? It happens so fast. You don't even remember. Like it's, you were in a state of shock. Well, I'd say I woke up from, right. from sleeping. Yeah. You, you know, dead, dead asleep, 530 in the morning, expecting to go to work. Um, and. Now, are you trying to call Rebecca? No, because she was, you know, in the house. And again, I, I don't fully remember if the police from Lakewood told me what happened. Um, man, it's. It's hard. It's kind of one of those things that you think you'd remember forever, but it's so intense and everything's just, I mean, so much has happened, you know, even since then. So it's um, kind of, it's very hard to recall 
Um, if I knew knew or if I drew the conclusion, I think somebody I, must have said something to, enough. To some, let you enough know. was said to enough where I kind of knew it, right? And so you never once even tried to call um, Rebecca's phone. No, there was it was get to the hospital, and that was kind of it. Um, I called a couple of my buddies um, on the ride there, and one of which didn't answer his didn't even answer his phone because he was with the police, and they, he was actually with them. You know, for quite a few hours before they even got to my house, and he wasn't allowed to call me or anything like that. At least as far as I know, from what I was told. But um, so you guys get to the hospital then. And two detectives just, you know, they let Sarah go and they snatched me immediately. Um, they snatched you, okay? Well, not snatched me. It's probably a horrible way to say, but they, but they, 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 they separate, wanted to talk. To they you. wanted to yeah, talk, so understand. they took me in another room, and you know, we were talked for about probably thirty minutes, and. You know, normal stuff. I mean, it's the police doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to know about last time I t- spoke to Rebecca, what the relationship was like, stuff like that. Wanted to see my phone. You know, opened up right to Rebecca's texts and emails, and this was the last correspondence. And now, are you asking them while they're doing this? Are you saying like, what is what happened? No, I mean, it, we knew what I, I knew what happened, and I think maybe Lakewood police did say something. There were. I don't know, man. It was so crazy. Like it happened so fast. But did you, did you know it was? A, I knew she, they were gone. They you were. Did, gone. You didn't know it was a murder yet. No, well, you did. No, no, no. I had no idea. You didn't know it was a. murder. I knew there was a house fire resulting in. It was just confusing to you. You had a feeling, a very strong sense that they were gone for whatever reason. Whether mm-hmm. it was you heard people, you saw the reactions from the police. Exactly. The way they, ever, they was talking to you, it was. You, it, it was intense, man. It was crazy. Oh, I, you know, and then and then these guys are asking you questions, and then you're probably confused because you're going, "Wait a second, this kind of feels like an interrogation. Like something was there was some foul play." Yeah, I acknowledged it with them, like, "Hey, you know, obviously something happened." Um, I didn't even put all that together. I didn't even think about like the possibilities. You know, something happened, and you know, obviously, the other reasons asked her questions and answered them, and then went back to a private room with my family. And it was, yeah, it was crazy, it was absolutely nuts. So, when do you ultimately find out then exactly what happened? We didn't know for days. I mean, it was, you know, we knew that there was a fire, and you know, foul play was. You know, definitely, you know, part of it. Um, but we didn't know. I mean, it was we were watching on the news, you know, for any updates, the same way everybody else probably was. And you know, we were in contact with the detectives to some degree. And um, because I was looked at as a suspect, I mean, there wasn't a lot of information coming my way. Um, so it was a lot of talking to Rebecca's family, my family, the news, and yeah, it was. We didn't know until. And it had to have been sometime like late morning, because uh, they were trying to find Rebecca's other child's dad, and you know trying to find answers, and nobody had any for a while until I think it was maybe the next day, or no, it was that same morning, like around nine a.m., nine ten a.m. is when we knew that it was definitely murder. You knew it was a murder. We knew at that point because they picked somebody up. It was on the news. They picked somebody up very quickly thereafter that same day. It was, yeah, sometime late morning, I think. What, what can you tell us, for people that don't know, as much as you're willing to just share? I mean, it's public. What can you tell us about the, the, the crime, the crimes that occurred? 
I mean, all I know is that somebody potentially, um, you know, got into the house, um, murdered Rebecca, and then there were accelerants used to burn the house down with Olivia inside of it. Um, you know, whether that person knew, who knows. Um, whether that person knew that there was an eight-year-old girl sleeping upstairs is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Correct. Uh, who knows? I mean, we're still waiting on trial. and So there was a murder, and then there was a, a the, the house went up in flames. So the house Correct. was then set on fire mm-hmm. in, in some fashion. And, uh, and you found out late morning that they had arrested somebody that they believed committed this heinous act and then your guys are like oh my god like this is legit like this is it yeah this This is is it this is happening my my daughter's gone yeah well i mean we knew it already before i mean you know i'm still coming to terms with it today like man my daughter's gone you know um but at that point we were trying to you know it's normal human behavior you're looking for answers right you're looking for something solid something factual that's not you know um deductive reasoning you know in your head i mean because a lot of that first day or even you know first week was just deductive reasoning of what you're seeing what you're hearing and piecing it all together and um yeah we had no idea what what did what did they olivia died from smoke inhalation is that what they it's what they said yeah yeah they um said it was smoke inhalation i mean she was trapped in her bedroom um you know the fire you know the fire burned for a while from my understanding before they even found the house because you know it's november windows are shut um and it was just somebody i guess somebody smelled smoke uh called the fire department called the police department and um, they drove around for quite a while trying to find the house because they just could smell it, but they didn't know where it was coming from. They didn't know where it was. It coming wasn't from. fully inflamed yet. Yeah, like saying. you weren't seeing like flames coming out of windows, or you couldn't see it. It was just, you know. So it took a while, you know, for them to to hunt it down. Um, and oh, it's in a very populated area. You know, it's kind of over by Dunkin' Donuts in, in Mayfield. So you have a lot of houses, businesses, and you know, it's a big area to search. How do you how do you handle those thoughts? I mean, how do you as a dad think about? I, I I can't imagine. I'm telling you, I've talked to you about this. I can't imagine. How do you get through your days when you think about that horrendous thing happening to your daughter, like her last moments of her life? And the days the days aren't that bad. You know, you work. You have a task filled day, so you're kind of making it through all that. It's when the noise stops is when it gets really intense, like trying to go to sleep at night. You know, you have all these visions, you wonder, you try to put yourself in that room, you know, kind of like being like a fly on the wall. Like it's gut wrenching. I mean, is what did she go through? You know, was she awake for the whole thing? The way that they found her was kind of weird, um, at least in my opinion, which suggested that she was awake. It's, at a certain point, she woke up moved and had nowhere to go um and i think every parent could every parent thinks about the worst thing that could happen to their kids right you think about it it's not the same emotion but i think most parents you can imagine because you love your kids so much i mean your your number one job keep them safe so you can imagine 
to at least some degree. You know, what it would be like to lose one of your children. If you don't think that way, you know, that's what makes good parents parents. When you you worry for them, you know, and you understand your job of keeping them safe. And I think that was kind of the, still what I'm going through. I mean, I could sleep finally to a, a good degree and get those thoughts. You got to block the thoughts out, which I don't like blocking them out. I like feeling it, you know, quite a bit um, more because I don't want to, I don't want to have the feeling that I'm past it. You know what I mean? Like I, there's something about that pain, you know, that I'm not willing to let it go. Um, I just want to interject. So, yeah, you, you, uh, yeah I think a, this is a good time for some whiskey sips. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I just want to go back to the very early stage of when this shocking event happens to you. Because November 21st, life is going on normal, 2018. And November 22nd, your life, Kurt Schneider's life, and your family's life has been changed forever. I mean... You guys will never, ever fully be the same. You know, you can move on. I think you could find happiness. I think you could find joy, which I think we'll talk about. But you guys will never, your life changed that day forever. So I want to go back to the very early weeks after the, this occurred. I mean, talk to, talk to us about your mental state at that time. Talk to us about your emotional state. How do you, you know, did you want to even be here anymore? I mean, it was... I mean, anger, I mean, it was definitely anger, but, you know, a lot less than you would, you would imagine, you know, wanting to hate somebody that did something like this. I think significant grief, I mean, there is an anger period, but I, man, like the, the sense of regret, you know, is probably my biggest challenge. You know, regret's a powerful thing. Um, anytime you lose anybody in your life, you're just like, oh, I should have spent more time. I should have done this, should have done that. But when it's a child and you're raising that kid, I mean, it, it, it's a world of regrets because all you have is a whole lifetime of that, that kid in front of you. Um, so I had a lot of regret. And I still have a tremendous amount of regret. Um, when you say regret, that you didn't spend enough time, that you could have been a better dad, what are you regretting? What do you, what do you, everything, what do yeah, you, could have been a better dad. Um you know, could have, you know, sucked it up, you know, being in a marriage instead of getting out of it, you know, which a lot of people get divorced these days, maybe too many, I don't know. But like, what would have been different, you know, if I wouldn't have gone down that road, if I would have, you know, would, stayed, would your daughter still be here today? Would she still be here? Had, had how much would have been divorced? different? Yeah. How much would have been different? You play that game. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and, but, you know, but can't we, I mean, I totally get that. And that makes so much sense. Can't we do that with everything in life? Can't you can. We, can't yeah. we play that game and, and drive ourselves nuts with everything? I mean, you're having to play the game at the most brutal level, but can't we do that with everything in life? You know, what if I did this? What if I would have done this? What if we didn't live here? What if I never met Rebecca? What if, you, you, you know, you, you can do that with almost everything. Yeah, I mean, and that, a lot of those thoughts, but I think the biggest regrets were just... You know, and a lot of people say this these days, and I'm telling you, it is the honest to God truth, and I still have a hard time doing it, is being in the moment at all times. You know, I wasn't in the moment, you know, all the time. And there was probably a lot of opportunities missed that you think, oh, well, oh, I could be on my phone right now for 30 minutes or put work first or put whatever first. 
but it's very it's very hard with a child you know especially the way we grew up with our parents we didn't have all this technology so our parents were heavily involved I was very heavily involved but there was a lot of opportunities missed that you think you're going to get back down the road or you can oh I could stop using the phone so much or the internet or whatever next week a little bit more and um, I lost all that you know I, I mean so the regret of just not being in the moment is so challenging um, and then also you know the failure you know you talk about failure that's huge you, you have one job as a parent you protect your kid period and I failed to do that I mean it wasn't on my watch but you know that was part of the situation with me and Rebecca like she was on watch I'll be on watch at my house and um what and do, you, what I do know, you mean when you say on watch? Like when you, so when you have your kid in your possession, you know, whether, you know, they're at your house sleeping at night, you're at a park, you're at a carnival, you know, you're on watch. You're looking after your child and you're keeping them safe, especially, you know, from predators or just from being hurt, you know, skinning a knee for that matter. And, you know, it's what could I have done differently to help prepare her, you know? Did you know that they were in danger at all? No. You didn't know that? No idea. Mm. I mean, Rebecca was, man, you you knew her very well. Um, and anyone who listens to this podcast that knows her, man, she was tough. I mean, she was tough. Um, I had saw seen her. What was shocking for me is I hadn't seen her in years. And then I saw her a few days before at Lifetime Fitness, not with Olivia, but with her other daughter. Mm-hmm. And I had seen them literally f- like for that Friday before. Yeah, Olivia was probably with me. Probably, and then and then a few well, days she later, was. a I few mean, days well, later, Rebecca's gone, and then I, of course this this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So Rebecca was. I mean, she was tough as nails. I mean, anyone will tell you that. I mean, but but what could you have done differently? And I know you beat yourself up. You you failed. You said, but what do you really think that you could have done differently based on the circumstances? Well, there's a lot of things. Like I was talking to, um, you know, my cousin's a fireman. You know, well-respected fireman. Uh, on our board, I have a good friend of mine who he's a fireman. And the one thing that like will always come back to me is, you, know, you have an eight and an eight and a half year old. Your goal, especially when that kid goes to sleep, keep him in the house. I wish I would have taught her more about the situation of, you know, if there's a fire. How do windows work? Um, how to get out? If you can't open the window, just break the thing. I mean, I look at my house. I have, I have, I had weighted windows. You know, because my house is, you know, a century home. And but Rebecca had vinyl, which you have the locks, and then you have the tabs of the secondary locks. I don't even know if she even knew how to operate those windows. And you know, that's that is it realistic to 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 teach an eight year old how to or a seven or a six-year-old how to operate a window? Probably not. It's not realistic to think like that. But in hindsight, that could have saved, you know, that could have that could have changed everything. Mm. Um, that's, that's but then odd. again, maybe it wouldn't have. Uh, who knows? It might not have, right. Because All I know is I want the positive. Um, I want the right outcome of that event, which would be she opened the window perfectly, got out, and jumped out, saved. and, you know, and yeah, she'd still be here. No, I, honestly, that and my girlfriend and I were talking about this the other night, maybe last night, about that exact same thing. And we were saying, gosh, only if she could have just jumped out the window. 
And she, my girlfriend, said that that reminded her when she was a young kid. Her parents used to teach them these emergency things. If there's a fire, here's what you... She said, did you guys learn what to do with the fire? Me. I said, I don't remember. I remember stop, drop, and roll, but I didn't... My parents didn't oh my teach... Oh, my God. My parents didn't teach me what if to do with... I don't believe. I don't remember. She says, my parents actually taught me, hey, if there's a fire... You open that window. Here's how you do it, and you jump out. I don't recall, but you know, you, even if it's a listen, you might break a limb. You might, do, but you you have a chance to survive. You know. Yeah. I don't think I don't recall. I mean, I recall you know the fire departments coming with like that that RV um, that had all the things that could create a fire, and they didn't have like a, a fog machine in there, so it teaches you how to get out, get low, um, and all that. I remember that in elementary school, but right windows like. That's you such a thing that no them. parents don't teach that to well, their kids. I don't know. I mean, maybe a lot do. Maybe I don't. I, I don't. I've I never. I've never heard it. You know, I've never in all my conversations with parents, I've never heard it. Well, you it doesn't mean that they're not teaching. If there's a fire, you're going to be the one that's going to go get your kid. That's exactly what it out. is. It's just it's not thinking about hey, what if I can't be there to do it? Oh yeah. And Matt. these are different. These are little life things that that could be such a difference, dude. And I mean, I went through. I went through weeks of just. What, I mean, I never got to claim Olivia's body, right? Nobody wanted me to see it. My brother did. Um, my brother wanted to claim her for me, you know, to, to shield me from that. And I mean, he's a saint for that. But the one thing I, I don't have an answer to to this day is I wanted to know if her hand was burnt. I want to know if she tried opening that, you know, turning that doorknob. I want to know if there was a significant burn on her hand that suggested that she was trying to get out. Um, what what th what would that answer give you? Let's assume the answer was yes. What would it what would that do for you? I mean, it would not do anything good, probably, <laughs> right? Like, it essentially all it would give me is she was awake. She woke up. Something she knew she was awake. Would it be harder to know that she was awake for you? No, I mean, because I'm already I already act under the assumption that she was. Um, in my mind, that's my reality, that she did wake up. And Would it be easier to know that she never woke up and it just... It'd be nice to know that. It'd be nice to know that she never woke up and didn't, yeah. have, to, didn't have to suffer the, the terrifying I mean, no moments, one should have to moments. suffer that. I mean, no one should... I mean, no child... But isn't I, that the hardest thing that you have to deal with? Yeah. Of everything? Like, th just that thought? The thought of not knowing what happened in that house? The thought of... You know, an eight-year-old innocent child that is trapped and is terrified. I mean, oh, dude. I mean, how? I mean, how often do you, you know, watch your kids play and they fall down and you know you're scared for them. You're you don't you want to take their pain away, um, and you're scared for them. You know, you want to protect them. And that, like I, I just it's it's so hard to think about. So like, that's what I'm saying, and that's this goes back to the early stages the november december Jan of 18 january february of 19 how do you kurt schneider cope with those that listen like you said it'll never go away but it's somehow as human beings from what i've learned in interviewing so many people and talking to you and we're resilient we're resilient beings mm -hmm. Things do change. We talked about that Don Joseph Goey podcast oh episode that I did, and, he, and I said to the guy, I said, "What do you? I mean, how do you? What do you, he was talking about? People that have lost their children in a room, and he does these seminars at spiritual healing, and and I said, what is that's got to be the saddest place?' And he said, it, 'It's it's a room full of love.' 
It is. Um, I mean, well, I would assume it is. I haven't done that. I mean, the few months after all this happened, it was, I mean, anyone who loses somebody unexpectedly and significantly, you don't have a lot of time to weigh through the details and, um, you know, make sense of it all because you're, you're busy planning a funeral. You're, you know, you have all this stuff going on. Like, okay, but let's get, time. let's go past the funeral. Let's right. go past the funeral. Go back. I remember being there, which was horrific. And then get past the, the weeks because you're surrounded by family. You're surrounded by friends. Everyone's there. When, when, when all that stuff started to subside and you were able to finally like be with yourself and say, oh my gosh, this is, I'm, this is real. This is, I'm not, I'm not waking up from a nightmare. This is real. What, how, how did you get through it? I mean, did, let me ask Olivia, you, let me, Olivia's vision. Let, let me ask yeah. you this. Did you want to kill your, did you want to take your life at any point? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a legitimate possibility for, I mean, that didn't last months. I mean, that last, I mean, the better part of two years, probably. I mean, what would be the thoughts? Talk, talk to us. It's just, uh, I don't know, like I'm conflicted with it because it, none of it really seems to make sense you try to if you want it to end you try to make sense of that to do, try to justify it in a way right like, you try to justify like if i kill myself i'm gonna go the, see her in heaven you know oh. because that's religion states you go to heaven you know and you know especially if you're a good person and you're you know you're absolved of your sins you go to heaven so i could get to go see her again um so but, you'd be sitting there at times i assume very emotional saying and, and just the pain was insurmountable. I, oh, I sign- I mean, so significant. I mean, I had, I mean, I had a plan set to at least a pretty solid plan. I mean, it was detailed and thought out, and um, you know, I mean, it would have been a real possibility. Um, I mean, it was a real possibility, but it would have, it could have actually happened if I didn't have my wife. You know, Sarah. Um, she's a psychologist, but she doesn't treat me as a patient by any means. But she put me on the spot, you know, and, you know, asked and or asked enough questions to get to that point. And, you know, I couldn't as bad as I wanted that. It's a selfish move, but it was justified for me for a while. And it it was it could have happened any day at that point. And, you know, talking is talking it through with Sarah and, you know. I don't know. I couldn't have done that to my parents. I couldn't have done that to Sarah. Like, it wouldn't have been fair um, to them because now they have to deal with twice. Right. You know, twice. Their family is just evaporating in front of their eyes, right? But you don't, you know, there's a lot of moments you don't think like that. You, It, it is a very personal uh, feeling that it's only me and Olivia. That, that's all I thought. It was me and Olivia, me and Olivia, me and Olivia. I I, I have to say, I have to say, if I was you, and this is why I asked the question, and I think there's a lot of people that are going through trauma or that have lost, that are feeling the same way you did, and and, you know, I'm sure you still have feelings, and it's with about you know, is it worth? Is how do I live this life and all these things? Man, dude, if I was in your position, I would have been the exact same way. I would have thought you were nuts if you didn't. weren't suicidal in, in some fashion. I mean, you you're human. I mean, it's it's so traumatic that it's how do you you can't even fat like it's easy to probably, shut down. There's probably nights where you couldn't even breathe at times. 
again, like you said, the days were okay, but when you get quiet and it's dark and then you're laying in bed and then your mind starts going, what 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 happened? Did Olivia? I'm sure this has been a loop in your head for freaking since uh, that day, dude. Like, did, what happened that night? What did Olivia, You know, you you want some you want some kind of closure and, and to know what she did, and then I'm wondering, does it even is it even worth? You, you know, how do we? How do you get past? That that thought all the time. What happened that night? Because that's that's got to drive you crazy. Time, you know, time time helps. You know, you find a way to adjust. I, I'm extremely fortunate. I have such a great support system. I mean, my my family's fantastic. My friends, amazing. Uh, my wife is just not giving up. We're thank God you had a strong woman. She could. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, didn't sure. I, mean, I don't even know what the statistics are. Yeah, it's amazing some, that you guys are actually still together. Parents, to be quite honest with you, parents that lose a kid. I mean, it breaks up an entire family. Right. Break. I mean, it's unbearable, especially in this way. Like, right. it's not like she had cancer and you know it took two years. You know, it was so immediate. And yeah, this changed Sarah's life forever. Oh, I mean, Sarah's. I mean, she's as she's a godsend. Well, no. I mean, she was a mom to Olivia. She Olivia just adored her and. You know, when I told Sarah all this, she was floored. Like, she didn't... I don't know if she even knew that this would even be a possibility to have those thoughts, you know? And um, even being a psychologist, you know, I'm a pretty tough guy, you know, for the most part. I got thick skin, and I don't even think she would have thought that that was a possibility. And, you know, I I am a gun owner, legally. Um, and she took him and hit him and protected me from that, even though I told her... It's a fantasy. You fantasize about it. And fantasies aren't always positive. Fantasies are can be very dark and, and horrible. But, you know, again, you know, my support system has given me outlets to, to help deal with that. But most importantly, my drive now and even then, I mean, it was, it started within a month, the toy drive. You know, Felicia Evans, the principal of, you know, Lander, she goes, are you ready? I'm just like, ready for what? She goes, do Olivia's toy drive. I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, this has been not, it's been weeks. You know, not even, I think it was like a week later, week and a half later. And a week after she was passed. Yeah, we ran the toy drive for, geez, we ran it for 10 days. And we started it in December, like beginning of December. We stopped it around December 15th or something. And, um. It was literally all funeral planning and, you know, being scared that I'm going to have to, you know, get interviewed by the police again and be looked at as a suspect or be wrongly accused. So you're dealing with the funeral, you know, the open-ended case and now the toy drive and it's all within a couple of weeks. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, Olivia had such a giving and pure like spirit and desire to like just be awesome and help people and um, she was I call I, my parents call her a, uh, called her a mother hen and we get to that later but like she was so kind and genuine and nice and selfless that you know now we're we have a bunch of adults working tirelessly on a little kid's idea to do a small toy drive. And that's now my therapy. That's now my my purpose that, you know, I lost. My purpose was being Olivia's dad forever. And, you know, it, 
that's how I cope with it now. You know, we have a responsibility to help people in my shoes or maybe even, you know, it could be different in a lot of ways, but somebody goes through a traumatic event, like our purpose now is to make sure that Olivia's ideas and mindset lives on forever. And that's for, through your foundation, Olivia's Dream, which we'll that's get to the nonprofit. The nonprofit yeah. And we'll get to that. We'll get into some but of that's that. How we get through it. More about, but but that's, that's how we get through that, it. That's how I get through it. And that's and that's it. And that's been that's been the number one way to get that you've gotten through it. It's been the only thing. It's I been mean, the only thing that's that's kept you alive, is what you're saying. Well, really, I mean, I would never want to put my parents, have my parents go through it again. Right. Um, so I would the, never would want Sarah or my brothers to go through it again. Um, it may be justified. Maybe people may say, "Oh, makes sense." You know, we get it. Uh, couldn't deal with the pain. Um, so somebody that's going through it right now, that's listening or that knows somebody, they're suicidal. They can't go on. They they don't want to go on. They don't even know how to go on. I mean, what kind of advice do you give them? You know, mine was mine was a little bit easier than than it is. It's going to be for some. You know, I, my support system really that that was it. That was. But what did, what did these people do? Like, what what did you do? How, how they didn't how, what, disappear. Did you go to therapy? Did you do any? Therapy? I did. I did do. I, I met with a psychologist for I want to say about eight months, ten months, something like that, and it it worked. Um, I'm fully behind in, um, I completely agree with psychotherapy, you know, whether it's psychology, seeing, you know, um, Sarah's a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. I don't want meds. I don't feel like I need meds, but just talking it out with a psychologist who it's so natural, so organic. And the whole principle behind it is conversation, that type of therapy, not meds. I would say find people that go through what people who went through or are going through what you're going through and it attach yourself to that i mean it's you gotta you gotta find people who are going through what you're going through to some degree um and for me i i don't know i can't speak for everybody but for me it's it's helping others you know you want to find a purpose. You want to make a difference. And I think most people in life, I think human behavior is you want to make a difference. And if you could find a way to get yourself entrenched in, you know, doing good for others, it fe not just feels great. You don't do it for that selfish reason, but it gives you a purpose. It gives you something bigger to be a part of. Um, and that, you know, for me, that's Olivia's idea and how, how much can we expand it? And how many people can we help for her? Um, but there's a lot of types of depression and you know out there that I can't speak to even a little bit. Um, but I would say, man, if, if you hear this and you're having these thoughts, I'll pick up my phone in a heartbeat. Um, and I think that's... Well, isn't that what we talked about too? It's like the alcoholic AA program. There's a 12-step program, 11 steps, or whatever. And then 12, the 12th step, the most important, is helping another person that's struggling with alcohol right it's it's helping somebody else that's going through something similar or the same thing and i think you guys correct me if i'm wrong very recently have started doing a little bit more of that well wasn't there a couple families that you've also just come in contact with we've just helped a few families that have gone through you know two families that lost two kids each both due to house fires um and it's but here's the thing with 
you brought up AA and like that process. You have steps one through twelve, right? And you have you can't go to step four without doing one, two, and three. The grieving process is kind of based on the same principle, right? You have what eight steps of grieving or something like that, but you don't go one through eight. You may go from one to seven to four to two to eight, and it jumps because you're you're always finding it. You're always finding you're in a different place at all times. It's so random and so messed up that, you know, I may be in regret today, but in two months, I could be on something completely different. And it's a roller coaster of just, it's a, it's a insanity. I mean, grieving is extremely difficult if you're truly in it and messed up from it, you know? it's Give us some of the things... That's very interesting, actually. I've never heard it put like that. So give us a few of the different whirlwinds of emotions that come in in a given period of time. So, I mean, anger, sadness, and uh, regret are my big things, right? So being sad is one thing. I mean, there's a lot of days. You know, I drive from Lakewood to Chesterland every day for work, and I love that drive. You know, I used to take it with Olivia to take her to school and it's a quiet time, right? You're listening to music. It's rough. You're so alone. You're mm -hmm. alone. The noise is out. And I tend to get very sad throughout that. Uh, I've, I've cried to, on my ride to work over and over and over again. Yeah. But you, at some point, that sadness does turn to anger. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. There we go. There you go. And, uh, you know, but then that may be one week where it's just sadness and anger but then once the sadness goes away typically anger is just that's what's left right you the frustration the, you know there it's so hard to explain um angry that that's that their lives were taken by in such a heinous when you're angry you're angry at angry the it's criminal just, you know right, who you, who else can you be have possibly you ever felt angry? like insanely overwhelmed that you get so overwhelmed that it turns to like a deep stress and then you get angry and you lash out at people. Or sure. You get very short-tempered. Right. And you're lashing out at them and they're not even doing anything to you. Like, and Whoa, it what starts happened? with sadness, and which is such a great emotion because it's you're letting out, like Jimmy V, you, know, you cry every day, you laugh every day. Um, the sadness is big because it typically, for me, doesn't end in anything positive. It, typically ends in being frustrated and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and then I get irritated and then I lash out at times. Um, so you're talking, those are the three main ones you're talking about. Those are my big ones. Those, those are, are my three. triggers, yeah. And then are, are there times where, have you felt any sort of true happiness in the last three and a half years? It's interesting you say that because I saw what you did today, part one of five, happiness versus fulfillment. Um, Happiness is a you know euphoric type state, and there's a lot of times that I'm happy, but it is very temporary. I mean, it's not, it's not a change, you know. It's, but being able to laugh and smile and, you know, be part of, you know, a barbecue with friends or family, yeah, I'm happy a lot now, but it typically comes as a. Usually the come down's pretty hard, right? Because you get so happy and you're distracted and you're in the moment, but then reality comes back. So then it turns to 
frustration and irritation, anger. It's very. It's, it's, it's almost it's, like it's a tease. Almost. It's like you you know is. the happiness is a little bit of a tease. Mm-hmm. It's not sustain your happiness right now at this point in your life. It's not a sustainable period of time because once again the barbecue's over and you go home and it's dark and it's quiet. Yeah. Here I am again, like yeah. living this. It's it's tough, you know. Is it always there, Kurt? Is it always there, even if you're what the darkness or it, the, just the the sad the, the sadness of of the reality? Is it always there, even if you're laughing with friends and playing poker or whatever? It's, yeah, it's, it's always there. It, you shut it off, you know, subconsciously. It's just because you get in the moment when you're having fun. You're having drinks with buddies, or you're out on a date, you know, with your wife or your significant other, and you're able to shut it off for a period of time and allow yourself to be in the moment but when the noise stops that's when it you know reality kicks back in you know there were times um you know sarah's dad passed you know shortly after olivia did like two months and then we had to go down to florida and like clean his place out and we went to forgot the name of the beach um spent our last day down there at this beach and it was just so beautiful so nice and I felt guilty that I was going to go have a good time with my wife because Olivia can't even be a part of it or she's up there looking down. I don't even know because I'm not even like crazy religious. I mean, I believe in it. I'm not close-minded to it, but I don't know. You you think that she could see you and what you're doing. Um and, and I know a lot of people shouldn't be able to have any kind of fun, right? And I don't want to. I, I don't want to have a lot and, and of fun, at that, especially at that point where it was so fresh. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't want to have fun, you know. At that point, I mean, now, nowadays, it's you know, my friends, my family, Olivia's dream, our supporters have given me the opportunity to kind of let that go. Oh um, yeah, let me just jump around here a little bit. Uh, ask you a few other personal questions related to your emotional state um when you see pictures of your friends kids on facebook what's that like well it's funny sarah we were talking about this the other day you know we talked about scott's daughter you know bella was you know olivia's first friend and bella's fantastic but like you know we're talking about her development you know obviously the softball is one thing but just personal human growth development and Sarah's like, I don't even know if I should even say this out loud. Um, it's kind of, it's going to sound weird. We could edit it. Sure, um, whatever. See, I see Bella, right? She's a year older, a year and like two days, three days older than Olivia. And, you know, her body's developing differently. And, you know, I told Sarah, I was like, man, it's just like crazy. And Sarah's like, well, I did too from an early age. And it's like, all right, cool. She goes, it must be hard for you to like kind of see that, that change so significantly. And I go, it is hard, you know, and my friends, we do like our family get togethers, right, with all their children and everything. And I love being around them. I didn't at first, first year, year and a half, it was sketchy. But man, they, my friends did a great thing. And I don't know if they know that they did this, but they, they made a point along the way to make sure that I was a big part of their kids' lives, right? Like, oh, Uncle Kurt or, you know, whatever it may be. And it, I mean, it's very healing. Um, You know, it's hard to see these kids grow up, but 
all my friends' kids are a lot younger than Olivia was. It's harder seeing. It's um, harder seeing Bella because you started. You're equating. You're, you're equating Olivia. Olivia would be going through that next phase of life. I think yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, and you know I watch her cousin Sophia, and yeah, it's just so much advancement. You know, so much stuff. Like, cause when you're you're a parent, man, let's be honest. The infant years, boy, is that. Oh, difficult. it's very challenging. Toddlers gets more fun, but it you. Can't wait to see what they're going to be at 10, 11, 12, right. 13. Yeah. Because that's where Olivia was really just, Olivia was just getting to that awesome age where, yeah. Just they, start, they start developing, like, such a fun personality, and they start really making their own identities. It's Yeah. It's, it was just starting. I was so pumped to see that. She was cheerleading and, you know, feeling like she, like, belonged in stuff. And I just would have loved to see where it, where it would have went. I mean, especially with their, you know, idea about doing the... Uh, uh, doing the toy drive, you know the toy drive. Like, what kid thinks like that at eight and a half? I mean, it's at that point you're the kids are more worried about oh, what sports am I going to play? I'm going to do this, and she was worried about helping other people, other kids. And yeah, it's incredible. It's she just, never had a reason just... to think like that. Like, cause she never wanted for anything or needed for anything, but her goal was let's do a toy drive for some kids. And now that's why you're carrying on her legacy, doing the same kinds of things with this foundation. Well, I mean, uh, nonprofit. We can't say oh, foundation. Nonprofit. <laughs> well, is that different than a foundation? It is. Okay. It is. My brother scolded is, me on that. This is a 501c3 that you guys have. No? Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But no, Olivia's idea was just do something cool to help some other kids. You know, she was very, uh, man, she was so giving and just so great. Um, and. You know, I mean, it's, but 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 it was hard. It's hard. Like when you, I'd see, give it all up. I'd give it all up. When you see uh, pictures of these kids, or even if you're just out with Sarah, you guys are walking around somewhere, Chagrin Falls, or at a mall, or at a movie, constant, and there's kids everywhere, and all this. Like, what is that constant. feeling like for you? Terrible. It is. Terrible. It is. I mean, it's it's not terrible because I want another kid. I don't want another kid. I everyone knows this. I don't want another. I was going to ask you this. My wife does bad and she one million percent deserves it uh she's so sarah's so fantastic she deserves to be a mother she was a great mom to olivia but she you know it's you want your own right and i don't uh, because i don't want to replace her like i want her at eight years old or seven or six or five three two that's what i want my memory you know is is her i don't want another one um but really, we are trying. You, you don't. Trying. You okay? So I you, don't want one. No, you don't want one, but you're willing to have one. Obviously, I mean, it sounds horrible. I guess you're conflicted. To, you're conflicted. I, I get it. I just feel like I'm kind of like that's a significant move for me. Like moving on from Olivia. Like it was just me and her. You know, and um, yes, but don't you? But but it, but it, it's. I don't think that this is my opinion on this. I don't think that you're necessarily moving on from Olivia. I think that your Olivia, regardless if you have zero kids or ten more kids, Olivia it'll always be there. Like I actually think that there's something about you having another child that could be really tremendously powerful and therapeutic for you. Because I agree. you you deserve, dude. I like, agree. The fact that you were robbed of of this parent this this parenthood thing, man, I'm getting <laughs> choked up even thinking about it like the fact that you were robbed of this 
is not should not define the rest of your life. No, you I know, like you you deserve to be a parent again, and I, and I think that there's something. I, I know what you're saying. I, you feel like you're almost like cheating, or you're doing something. Well, it's like wrong. a sixty year old or something that you know loses you know their significant other to you know an illness or you know whatever it may be, and they don't want to get they don't want to date they don't want to get married. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, I just she was mine, you know, and being a single parent, that's a bond that's so different. I would think. From, you know, uh, a, a mother and father that stay together, right? And they have two kids, three kids, and you have a shared bond. When you're a single parent, it, the bond change. It feels to me like it changes. It's so much. I don't want to say it's more significant, but it's the challenge, right? Like it's so hard to get through, you know. And I did that with her, you know, fighting through cancer, right? So like. And I don't want another experience. But at the same time, I am excited that if, you know, if Sarah, you know, if we get pregnant, we have a kid that they could follow in Olivia's footsteps, you right. know, and they could join the nonprofit and do good things with children. And don't you think like all those things that you, that you learned, again, for people that don't know real quick, Kurt's also battled cancer as if he didn't have enough going on, but... Um, and and successfully battled it and beat it, but um, uh, don't you think that everything that you've learned, like, like when you say you have the regret and being more present, and you wish you could have done, you you can still do that now with another with another with your own blood, well, like, like a redemption. Almost. It's a redemption, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And you can still carry on Olivia's legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm so torn. Right, I understand. so torn. I mean, because you catch me tomorrow, I may say, "Yep, right, let's do another kid." You know, um, it's just very complicated. It's just so I'm so conflicted um, yeah. with it, but um, I totally get that. Yeah, it's just very hard, you know. Because I mean, I have a you know my. Do niece. You, let me ask you this: Do you think that somewhere deep, deep, deep down, that because of how traumatic you're living, every parent's worst nightmare, brother? I mean, you're living, I cannot, I, I hate to be this, I cannot think of a worse nightmare than what you've had to live. I, I mean, it's, there's nothing worse. And I'm wondering, do you think that because you've had to deal with this and it's been so taxing, you know, for the last few years, that there's something about having another child that you're terrified, what if, God forbid, something happens to that child? Hmm. Like I don't want to do this. Like I can't. No, deal I with I this. don't. I don't even fear that even a little bit. I mean, this situation is so unique that you know. I mean, we. I mean, growing up. I mean, I would hate. Um, I would hate the opposite feeling of this. Like growing up, like this was never a possibility. Though this couldn't happen to us. You read the stories. You see the newspapers. You know. You may hear through a friend of a friend of a friend of. A horrible thing you never think this would happen to you um, even now it's so it's a surreal feeling of like it happened it can't happen twice you know I don't even think about that I'm not okay. even worried about that even a little so bit. that's not influencing you not wanting to do this again. now when that baby shows up that could change you know immediately. those feelings could come flying in I mean it right you don't, you, and you, you don't, don't know until you know right um, I'm not worried about that it's just you know, we I, 
I feel like I've worked and my family's worked so hard to get Olivia, you know, such a great life coming from a, a you know, a divorced family. You're just trying to give that kid the best life ever. Um, I'm just, it, the bond was so significant. It was so crazy because it was just me and her. I get that. I get that. That I'd, yeah, just. I know I what know. you, I know exactly what you mean because I can relate. To, yeah, to being to, like once it was just me and my girls uh, when after the, especially at the beginning of yeah. the divorce uh, I know exactly what you're saying it's just like okay now it's time for me to really it's a bond that's different it's mm -hmm. different it's just dad and his daughters I know? mean there's a lot of trust there it's, in the kids it's incredible and the parents, it's incredible right? but 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 I'm but I, listen, you have to do what makes you happy. But I do believe, truly believe, and I know this that the moment you have that baby, you're gonna feel a love, dude. That you that you it's gonna be so overwhelmingly joyful and positive, and it's not gonna replace the love that you have. Olivia will never be forgotten. No. No Olivia, would want me. Olivia would want us to have kids. Of course, I mean, she would. Of course, of course. She, she was of such course. a great big sister and. Um, you know, like that. I know what you're saying, dude, and, and it makes so much sense. But I also think that, just like you don't know if you get nervous once that baby's here, like if God forbid something happens, and you will. You're gonna be, listen. You might be a helicopter at times, with that, <laughs> right? you know. But but, dude, I I, I can I, teach that kid about Olivia though. You so, can I mean, teach that kid. There's a lot of there's so many things that you can teach that kid, and there's gonna be so many things, especially as that kid gets old. The kid's not five, ten, eight, eight, ten years old their, their whole lives. You know, that kid gets older and you guys are older and that kid's going off to college or doing whatever he or she's doing. And then you guys look back on all the, the lifetime together and, and all the, the, you know, the Olivia's dream growing and your family growing. And then, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that that's could be so beautiful for you guys. I yeah. really do. You just don't know until it happens. Of course. And next you know, maybe Sarah gets pregnant and we have seven kids afterwards who knows you just never know you just right. never know I think it's just a, a fear but it's also you know in a selfish way like man I raised Olivia from infancy to eight and a half years old it's a lot to go back all the way to infancy right I mean, eight years and most people have kids every couple of years And but yeah it's it, right now I'm trying to we are trying to have a child so that's awesome and I'm very excited about it but I'm also trying to like get you know my world back under control. Absolutely, brother. and absolutely, it's so much. And you know what? Behavior. And you, you know what? Control things, of course. And and you know what? The uncertainty and the scary and the unknown that is that can drive any man crazy. But just like anything else, like once that thing is here, all that anticipation, all it, it's all anticipation. Oh yeah, right. I mean, and of course you feel that way. But your life, you want to get all this stuff in order. Because you feel like this kid, may, that this is, I'm not ready for this. I'm not. I don't feel peace within myself. I don't feel stable in my heart. I, you know, I'm still. This is still. Well, that's raw. life in general. But for it me, is. right? For it me, is. right now, I, right. It's control. Like if I don't feel I have control of my, you know, my life, my surroundings, and what's going to affect me next, that's one of my biggest challenges. Is you? I lost control. Um, over my daughter's life, you know, when all this happens. So it's a constant battle to try to control things around you, right? Like if things start feeling out of control and um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, man. Chaotic? Yeah, kind of like chaotic. You can't control things around you. You can't, 
you don't know what's going to come next. It's very uncertainty. Over, the uncertainty is insane, mm. um, and it affects me at work. It affects me, you know, at home. It affects me no matter where I'm at. And like that, you try to control it because normal human behavior. You want to control your surroundings, right? And I don't. I lost that control in such a significant way that it's man. Now you're going back to a kid, and you have to rebuild that trust. You know, not sure. the trust between me and that kid. But, or being my wife, but the trust between the world and that kid. Um, and that's that's a hard one because you never know when you're on this side of things of what, yeah, I mean, being a first-time parent, second, third, I mean, unless you had a, a bad experience, you're still in control. We lost. I mean, control was taken. Um, so that... I'm very worried about that, especially the world that we live in. It's like, you really want to bring another kid in the world? But at the same time, man, a lot of a lot of what makes me feel good now is, you know, the innocence of a child and the way that they think. And to watch families of Mayfield Heights, Linners, South Eagle Highlands, God knows how many places, you're seeing a trust kind of rebuild and... Uh, kind of a renewed sense of man we should bring another kid in this world because people are good right um and i think the community has taught me that and helped me rebound from that way of thinking yeah um, but it is hard to trust you know of course, others of course um, of course your life's been uh your life has been forever changed since november of 2018 and i know people ask you all the time hey how you doing and they want to know and you, you, this is another thing that victims of people that have gone through these horrific traumas you, you are a victim to the to this thing as well because you weren't a direct victim but you you probably wish you would have been a direct victim instead oh, yeah. of having to live with what you've had to live with so what, what what is it when people like what do you want people to know Kurt what do you want people to know about you that maybe they don't know that when they come up to you and say, hey, how's it going? Like, what would you like them to know, like, really, really how it's going? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels good when people ask because, from my experience, people genuinely care um, because it's never, it's a question, cheers, see you later. It, usually there's follow-up questions. Um, man, I don't know. Like, I don't, it's not that I want people to know anything, but it's, all right, what I want people to know I mean, this is the most important thing. Um, now you know about the suicide stuff and that way of thinking. And, you know, I got through it because people ask questions. You know, people care. Um, I think what I, what I want out of people, what I want out of this experience is I want to be able to change other people's lives that maybe don't have the means that we've had um, or the support systems uh, that we have. And... I want people to just do well by others and um, trust each other. I, I don't know. There's so many things that I do want. I mean, about my situation and how I feel, I mean, it's, I hope people think that what what I'm doing in Olivia's, you know, dream and, you know, legacy is genuine and, and pure and um, it, it, I guess 
every time I see anybody out at a restaurant, a bar, at work, um, I the compassion is amazing, and nobody needs to be like, oh, how you doing today? How you doing? Just the conversations. Um, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot over the years where people aren't necessarily truthful or honest or genuine to each other. But I've felt over the last three years uh, a genuine compassion in people, which is what's given us our success as Olivia's dream. But it's not about that. It's people are affected by this. And I think it's important for them to tell me their opinions or tell you. Uh, you know their opinions and what they're worried about scared about I, I want people to be kind to each other you know no matter what your views are um, and I want Does Olivia's it, I, legacy to, to live on in in that way I, I don't even know if I even answered that even remotely close it's to okay it, asked, it's but. a it's a wide open loaded type question and uh, and I understand and you have a lot of you have a lot of mixed emotions, brother. I mean, I'm all over the board. All, I mean, this it's is crazy. This is, but yeah, of course. You're like talking course. to a psychopath at the moment. It well, feels hey, like probably one of my favorite psychopaths <laughs> in the world, right? Um, I, I'm looking at this. It, it, listen, I, I was going to ask you. I want to talk about Olivia'sDream.org, which I'm looking here. We're on the website. I pulled it up on the screen. Um, but do you think that this whole experience, Kurt, has made you more loving or made you colder? I think this has made me, man. This is so. This is so messed up to even. I mean, I can sit here and say, the outcome of this whole situation. I'm a much better person than what I was before. Uh, I think, you know, when you go through life struggles, adults get jaded very easily, and they know they have. We have a long term memory. Children don't. Um, that pure innocent nature I mean it, I've never met a bad kid like ever in my life I mean I went to uh, I went to Camp Hope last year uh, which is ran through like Frontline and, and whatnot, and you know we help fund some like care packages for these kids that are from all walks of life um, and I can't say what the story was but there was a kid who went through something absolutely horrible and was the the kid should have been an angry, horrible, horrible kid. And he was the nicest at ten years old, um, watching um, you know extreme violence, put it that way, within his family. And he was so kind, asked who Olivia was and what she was like, and all these things. I think my biggest takeaway from all this and with Olivia's dream is this has helped me be a better person and there's no better than a nothing better than a child teaching an adult how to behave mm, that's very powerful that's very beautiful because I mean tell me I mean there's been let me flip this on you a little bit you've been through some things in your life that has probably made you Jaded or angry, or you know, you hold a grudge, right? Um, you know, how would you have felt if you thought like a seven year old where you could let that go? 
and be the bigger person, do the right thing. How many have you been part of situations like that? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, it, it's you're you're basically saying if you could just put yourself back in that innocent state and let bygones be bygones and just be happy just to wake up and be able to play the game or do toys or hang out with a friend or go to school like just just the simple things I mean, in life do your daughters hate anybody no they don't no. even know how no. They, no that feeling doesn't exist and you're saying that you've learned that through this experience you know? i don't hate any i don't even hate you know if you know a certain person did this um I don't hate him, um, but I like him, her, him. No, obviously not. Like, what the hell are you doing inflicting this pain on other people? But but what kind of pain is that person living with every day, right? I, I mean, right? Maybe yeah. none. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. not but maybe why, it's a but, sociopath but, but, that maybe doesn't not, give a shit. Maybe not. True. But, I don't, but that's, that, 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 that's like an that. outlier, right? That, that's the one in a, in a gazillion. You know, like you said, majority of people are good. Majority of people want to do well, and you're saying that this in this entire experience, while it's while it's been torturous, it has actually made you a more compassionate human being. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, I really do. Or maybe I've always been compassionate and good, but it's allowed you to tap into something that you didn't it's, tap into. It's before. allowed me to actually do that without any insecurities or what people think. Um, and it's watching a kid grow up is just raw, true. Um, man, there's just there's nothing conflicting them. It's they they don't see it's, it's pure they don't innocence. see color. They don't see correct. They don't. They're not worried about politics and all this crap. It's they. That's how everyone should kind of act. And I totally understand what you know. Everyone right now is looking for answers in life or with our government or. You know, Russia, Ukraine, you know, whatever the hell's going on. But if you think more like a child with the maturity that we have as adults, my God, I mean, you could change things significantly. Right. Those two, uh, Putin and uh, Zelensky, Ukraine and Russia, got. If they were both six, seven years old right now. Oh, my God. They'd be like a they, wrestling match on the playground. They'd be playing with each other and having a good time. Yeah. And they'd be best friends in two years. Let's no. talk about this Olivia's dream. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about your. 501c3 um, we're on the website oliviasdream.org you've mentioned the toy drive I know you've done a lot more since then so what else uh, we're here I see this animal therapy access summer camp access therapy partners rainbow of support these are some of the things you're doing What talk to us about the details of, of some of the things you guys are doing for for other people with well, with this 501c3 man, we are a true non-profit um, we don't pay anybody we are. our board is fantastic i mean absolutely amazing um you know the the president and vice president um of our board are my two bosses who own paint and paint renovations and design right and dave Payne also sits on um I believe right now he's president of the board for make a wish um so this all started only because um we did a um oh my gosh Oh my God, Kim Liam! It's okay. Can't even think of what, the word. What is it? So we well, did the uh, we did the endowment. Um, okay, the for fund. Make a Wish. Uh -huh. um, from my understanding, there's none, not not many that have been started or 
completed through mm-hmm. Make-A-Wish um, nationwide. There's been a some, but not a ton. Um, we raised 150 grand in just under two years. Wow. Um, and that 150 grand, it wasn't like we were pushing anything. We did the golf outings, we did the toy drives. Um, and we did that just under two years, 150 grand. So the city, or our communities, South Eagle, Leonard's, Mayfield, Highland Heights, Gates Mills, they gave us a reason to actually do this. Um, I never would have thought these results were even possible. Um, and so we decided, wow, we got some traction here. Maybe we could build on that, create Olivia's dream, and make it official. So we did our 501c3, so we are approved. Um, you know, we're still doing our golf outings. We're doing a car show this July, uh, which has been fantastic, actually, at Liberty Ford Aurora. But those are the things that help give us the means to help families that may not have the opportunities that I had, the support system that I had. So what our whole thing is, you know, we, we want to help children and families that go through traumatic events. And we've and, and how are you helping them? What what are some of the things you guys? Because here here it is, David Schneider, your uncle, or, uh, brother. Uh, brother. I'm sorry, uh, Olivia's uncle, and he's the CFO of Olivia's Dream. Mm-hmm. Olivia's death was tragic. This is quote: Olivia's death was tragic. Instead of anger, we choose to love. Our mission is to help families in need that suffer from any variety of trauma. Unquote. So, uh, um, what exactly are you guys doing for these families? So lately. Um you know, we have created relationships with our organizations and, um, you know, we've had, we've had one family, our first family that we helped, we gave them all their immediate assistance, you know, toiletries, you know, so this family, they lost two children in a house fire and they have two others and we give them their immediate needs, gift cards to give, you know, to supermarkets, toiletries, clothing, bedding. Um, you name it, everything that they lost that they need now to be able to function, right? Um, to get their family what they need to live every day. Um, helped another family the same way. But what we want to do and what our the really awesome thing is about this, when a family go through goes through a traumatic event, they could get you know, needs through the state or the city through, you know, different programs that our government has. But that ends, right? We want to be that bridge that goes from there to getting your life back on track. We want to fill that void. Um, So what we decided to do was, especially with Sarah being a psychologist, well, what can we do to actually help heal people? Not just throw money at people like we will do that by buying the things buying them the things that they need um and try to give them some sort of semblance of a life from a big loss but we don't want to go away after that we want to develop a partnership with that family and what can we do for you long term psych psychological needs equine therapy Mm. um you know we're partnering, or shouldn't say partnering. We're working with a lot of camps to send kids to camps. Um, That's beautiful. And you know, it's giving you your life back in a way because after the first year after Olivia passed, maybe even six months, people 
you know, the immediate trauma dies down. People go back to their normal lives and it's not a bad thing. It's just normal. It's just what happens. We want to be that void. Mm. Um, That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And uh, Olivia's dreams, core values, you've got quite a few of them here, but I, I, I noticed this. Be a mother hen. You mentioned it before with your mom. Explain a little bit more about when this mother oh, hen thing. So I, uh, I've been working my my butt off for my career. Right, I've finally got a break um, to get from the field to the office and construction, which is what I really, really wanted. And I didn't go to college, you know, so I relied on that. So I took a job down in Marietta, Ohio, and it's on the border of Ohio and West Virginia. I mean, it's far away. While my daughter's up here. And my daughter helped me move in. And she brought a bunch of stuff. She's hanging things on walls. She's taking all my clothes out of bags to hang them in my closet. And it was like it was her place, right? Like, she was very caring. And, yeah, she wanted me to be comfortable in my new place that was, you know, two and a half hours away in southern Ohio. Um, And that was her mindset. That was it. I mean, her... She took care of her her cousin Sophia, um, her sister Vivian. I mean, she she was a mom as a seven year old. I mean, it was old soul, just awesome, just so amazing to watch it. And we've got a picture of her right here. I mean, such a cute, beautiful girl too. Uh, Just you could just she radiated just looking at her smile. She just radiated positivity. I mean, she was just you know she had her own she had challenges growing up. You know. Um, confidence, of course, challenges all and all kids that. Do. Sure, which, but at the same time, like, it's I mean, amazing it's, that we saw her grow into her own person and get comfortable as she got older. I mean, these pictures so of you here on the website, here under the About Us tab, you guys in the in the leaves in the fall and on the porch, the patio. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just well, look at her. Incredible. Scroll down a little bit further. You see her on the horse. Yeah. At, uh, Valley River Stables and Rocky River. Um, Such a cute kid. So equine therapy is a huge thing. I mean, she loved working with horses. Um, So now we are working with children and doing a scholarship through, um, you know, a stable to give kids this equine therapy. And not even just kids. This stable also works with first responders. Um, I can't even look at these pictures. I, I, Why? I, Why not? It's. I mean, they're they're beautiful. It's just gut wrenching. It's just gut wrenching yeah, for me. It's you got to remember. You got to remember what she is. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Just so great. I mean, it's such a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you wherever the every picture was taken and all this. Mm. She's fantastic. I mean, it. If you can channel that way of thinking which I'm still not there but I'm acting on her behalf and our board you know through Olivia's dream I mean you have you have some major really great people on this board from all walks of life and we're all inclusive um, there's nobody that we don't want to help yeah. um, and it's it's a challenge Um you know, trying to raise money so we could always be supporting others um, that need it most. Absolutely. And that's really what it's all about. 
And this is from you. Olivia's dream in life was to give back to other children in need. Our goal is to keep her dream alive by helping those that need it most. Um, so people can go online and donate to your uh, charity here uh, directly here on the website, oliviasdream.org. Mm-hmm. And we'll link it in the show notes for anyone that wants to get involved. You guys do the golf outing. Are there any other events that are coming up? Oh, there's So we have this car show. We what does Olivia's dream have to do with a car show, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mustangs and you know all these things. But um, Liberty Ford, Aurora, um, and the Cleveland Mustang Group have really, you know, my a good friend of mine, Lou, uh, runs that, and they want to give back to Olivia's dream, and they want to make a difference for other people. And what they chose us um, to do this with them, and. You know, I mean, we're going to be doing a lot of upcoming events. Um, this year, these are going to be our main two, but we're trying to hit like four to six major events a year. Um, and, and just a keep lot of, growing and keep expanding, yeah, and your, expanding your reach and your influence. Yeah, and it's, uh, and I, I got to say, um, the big reason why this exists is it's the community responded when we started the endowment, when, um, you know, how people treated me. Like, it's funny. Like, I kind of gauge my relationships these days based on how people will back up Olivia and not contribute, like, by financially, but people that are emotionally invested in Olivia. Yes. That kind of gauges my relationships now. Absolutely. It's very bizarre. Um, and I don't want anything from anybody. But the city of Mayfield is really the linchpin in all this. If they would have gotten behind all this, and none of this would be possible. It, we're not even Mayfield people. Right. Right? We went to Brush. Yeah. We hate Mayfield. <laughs> kind of still do. Kind of still. <laughs> no. Right. Um, I, no, I but. We, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I never would have thought I'd be on the receiving end of this type of support. Mm. And holy shit. And I'm just going to swear anyways because people need to hear it. I mean, holy shit, like these people, they got so much, they got so behind it and it opened up a world of possibilities. Now, what we want to do is give back, you know, to the city of Mayfield, South of Leonard's, all these different places. We want to, we have an, we have a responsibility at this point to take Olivia's vision and just multiply it by a billion and make her give her the uh the legacy that she should have gotten over the next 50 years 60 years right um and it all comes down to the way that a child thinks which how much would that help in the world right now back to that oh it's that's a very powerful thought and it's a powerful statement because it's a fact and it's it's there's nothing else that needs to be said when you go just break it down to the core yeah. That's everything. Well, I will. I do want to say one thing though that I've never, and I don't know if you ever have. Um, we've all been pulled over, you know, gotten to different, you know, situations with you know run-ins with first responders, right? My one of my one of the most profound things that happened throughout this entire experience. Mm-hmm is being on the receiving end of first responder treatment. I we relied on them, right? They 
got to the house, put the fire out. Maybe caught the guy who did it all. I don't know. But the first responders in our communities, they are all heroes. They, all they want to do yeah. is just protect everyone in those communities. And I've never felt so cared for, ever. Those, Even through the, the detectives and the police that, you know. Those are I the real say interrogated, but those, question, yeah, they did well, their job. Well, of course, they had to do that. It is incredible when you're on the receiving end of that, when you need it. Right. Wow. Well, those are the real heroes. They might not wear number 23 and run up and down the court and slam dunk the ball. Yeah, right. You know, those. these are the real heroes. These are the real guys heroes like Stipe. You talked to Stipe before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still an active fireman in right. Valley View. Um, that is... That's a civic duty that these guys have that is... It makes such a major difference. If I didn't have all of them, and my family didn't have all of them, it would have been way worse. They soften the blows incredibly. Um, That's beautiful. I'm really happy to hear that. Well, listen, um, this Olivia's dream is great. I've been involved in the past, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, what I want to do is, ah, no, 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 no. is what I want to do is is because of everything that we've talked about on behalf of myself and, and the Optimal Life Podcast. Uh, Want to uh, present you with a another donation of five hundred dollars? Are you kidding to, me? Uh, to uh, right, hold on, I gotta get up and give you a hug. <laughs> this is for how you. far? All right, hold this on, let me take this off. <clears throat> My man, of course, of course. I fucking, I love you, man. Love you Gosh, thank you so much. <clears throat> That's the least I can do. That's the least I can do. And I must say, not from a. Yeah, this is definitely not a. If anyone knows Nate, Nate doesn't do anything for any recognition ever. Um, He did things. I'm not going to do the whole story, but I'm not going to give all the details. But uh, you know, Nate, Nate and his wife. You know, they separated right around the same time that um, Olivia passed, and after the funeral, one of the my one of the only things that stands out from that night supported all of us significantly and me and Nate haven't been all that tight for years you know our our lives went two different directions we've always been friends always great friends that was one of the first times I saw you in years oh yeah yeah for sure and you made a point just to come to my mom's house and I guess my mom and dad's but we know who runs it um (laughs) Yeah, man, I, I thank you a lot for what you've done for me. Oh, of course, man. Um, this nothing. podcast is the least of it. No, man, um, it's uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be involved and, and do it. I, I'm a terrible golfer, or else I would have been playing. Who cares? I'm horrible. Right. I, don't, I don't even finish. I didn't finish I, I, I've enough. actually got to be out there at the next one and hang yeah. out with you guys. And um, and I just love I love just being able to be a part of it and carry on Olivia's legacy and everything you guys are doing. Obviously, Rebecca, too. I know this is mostly talked. we talked about Olivia. I know. It's kind of shitty. Rebecca's life is just as important, obviously, and her family's... Well, I do do want to say something about that. Um, So much of the attention is on Olivia, right? So much of it. But Rebecca was not a bad person. 
Oh. And she did not deserve anything that happened to her. Um, and I feel I feel bad a lot of the time that we so much focus is on a, a child, which kind of where it should be. But, man, you know, Rebecca's family, you know, lost a really special person. And I think, you know, Rebecca should be honored as well um, for being a really great mom Absolutely. Um, and a good person. So, Hey, brother. Um this has been eye-opening, and uh, uh, I, like I said before, I'm beyond grateful that you've given me the opportunity to uh, to help you share this publicly for the first time, really. Um, and I just feel honored that I'm that I'm able to do that with you. So thank you for for sitting here with me today and opening up and being vulnerable. Is there anything we missed? Is there anything that you wanted to share that we that we didn't touch that we may have overlooked? I mean, this conversation go for days if not weeks right um i do want to just i do want to thank everybody from our communities that have really rallied around this situation and and they've exemplified what a community really is you know mayfield heights mayfield village uh leonard south i mean it's amazing that olivia's dream could even exist because these communities have rallied behind it. And I will say that, man, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And no matter what you guys donate or come to our events just to hang out, I hope you guys trust us. Um, you know, operating in our communities. and We got your back the way that you guys got ours. And... Man, it's what you guys did has been life changing. Um, I owe a lot to. I owe a lot of my personal healing to you guys. So thank you very much. That's beautiful. Olivia'sDream.org. Anywhere else online? Or is uh, that the place? To I mean, go? we're on Facebook, Instagram, and you can these. go all through the website. Yeah, Olivia'sDream.org. Yes, sir. And we will uh, link it in the show notes, brother. Uh, continued blessings to you. Continued, um, you know finding your way finding your way in this journey hopefully you'll find more peace and happiness as each day goes on like you said time heals and uh wishing you nothing but the best i appreciate you man thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the optimal life podcast if you haven't yet please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening and you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course. You could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend. Tell a family member. Let them know about the podcast. And we will see you next time.